Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher, addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. I am your host. My name is Chris Busher. Today we are going to be talking about the topic, Childlike Faith, the Simplicity of the Gospel. Now, before we get in there, uh, let's go ahead and just recap the previous uh, couple episodes that we did here because both of those are building up on this idea right here. The very first podcast, if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and listen to it. It is The Insufficiency of Christ When Jesus Isn't Enough. And then the second one, the one that we released last week, was called Hashtag Faith, A Powerful Gospel in the Hands of a Distracted Generation. Now, to summarize both of these the best that I can and the quickest that I can, um, the very first one I was talking about, the insufficiency of Christ. When people think Jesus isn't enough, when they think the gospel message has lost its touch, when they think that uh, they need to add things to it or they need to pretend things or they need to do this or that and all of these different things, it boils down to the idea that they believe Jesus isn't enough. Um, and I, if you, if you haven't listened to it yet, let me give you a spoiler alert. I believe Jesus is enough. I can't say it again. I'm going to say at least one more time. Jesus is enough. The second one, I talked about hashtag faith, um, where I talk about what I believe is real, genuine faith versus, you know, this hashtag faith or this new faith or, you know, basically fake faith. Um, And I talk about some of my experiences uh, dealing with different people, different churches, uh, being tempted to to fall into this uh, type of faith show that we see. And it all boils down to the very first podcast, how we named everything about Jesus being more than enough. And today on this third episode, episode number three of this podcast, we are going to begin to talk about what is the gospel. Uh, And it is childlike faith. Jesus says it himself. And I want to talk about the simplicity of the gospel because I believe too many people, we, we try to make this gospel into something so complicated, something so complex that we forget how simple it really is and the true purpose for it. So before we get into it, let me go ahead. Let's go into the Lord in prayer and let's pray over uh, this episode. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for every single gift that you've given us. We thank you for your love and for your mercy and for your generosity. Father, I thank you for the gift of faith. Father, I thank you for the gift of salvation. I thank you for every person listening to this podcast whether it's today in 2019 or many years from now or uh, however it is that they are listening to it, Father, bless them. Bless them and protect them. Use these words, this simple 30, 40 minutes, whatever it is today, to just minister to them, speak to them, and just reveal yourself to them, Jesus. And we thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. 
Now, in uh, previous episodes, I I really got into my testimony for you. Uh, I got into my testimony before I met Jesus, um, before I even experienced Jesus, and then trying to find Jesus uh, during my years of of going to school and and, and starting ministry and all of that. Uh, But I want to kind of, you know, take a a, uh, left turn here, and I want to go back to the middle process of that uh, from the time that I met Jesus until the time I got into ministry, and I want to really focus on that. Because that is when I truly began to learn what the gospel itself is. Now, for those of you who have never heard this before or don't know this, uh, the gospel is commonly re- commonly referred to as good news or the good news. Um, and most people, I bet you, if you go to any church today or any of the you know 1.5 billion people around the world professing Christianity, if you ask them point blank, go right up to them and say, "What is the gospel?" I could tell you beyond any shadow of the doubt, the great majority of them could not tell you. In fact, maybe some of you listening to this podcast right now, maybe you don't even know how to explain what the gospel is. Um, and, you know, I, I, did, I had this problem as well. And I, I've, I've asked many people in, di- in different countries, I've asked them, hey, what is the gospel? I've, let me even just say this. I've even asked some pastors, what is the gospel? And a lot of them have a very difficult time. A lot, If they can describe it, they have a difficult time making it simple, putting it in ways that other people can understand without using too many religious words and all of this. And this was my problem. If you remember when I talked about how I came to know Jesus, when I first experienced Jesus Christ, it wasn't inside of a church. It wasn't from saying a sinner's prayer. It wasn't from... Some preacher preaching, you know, hellfire brimstone or some preacher preaching prosperity, health and wealth or whatever, you know, both ends of, of the sides of the road. It was a very unique and, and, and personal way for me. I, I was dying. I was a man inside of a comatose state. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I was going to hell. It was so clear for me. I knew that the drug overdose that I had taken was the end of my life, basically. And in desperation, complete desperation, I knew that I needed help right then and there. And I knew that the doctors couldn't save me. I knew that nobody else could save me. And the Holy Spirit began speaking to my heart, call on Jesus' name. Call out to Jesus. Anyone who calls on Jesus' name will be saved. And I just kept hearing this message over and over again in my heart. And let me tell you, I'm not one of those crazy, fanatic, charismatic Christians that say they saw Jesus and uh, have conversations with Jesus all day long and all of these things. I'm not that guy, okay? I'm not that guy. But what I did experience was absolutely real. I didn't see the face of God. I didn't see angels or any of that. I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. He convicted me of my sins, and then he pointed me to the truth, and the truth was Jesus Christ. And I called out on him in desperation, not saying a sinner's prayer, not doing any of that. I called out on him in true desperation, and he answered me. He answered me by just giving me this this overwhelming peace that everything in my life was already taken care of. I knew that I knew that I knew at that moment right then and there that I was saved. And I didn't even know what being saved was. Now, it sounds like a great story. And let me tell you, it is a great story. It is the most amazing memory I've ever had in my life. Here's the problem. 
a couple days after being released from the hospital, after spending a few weeks there um, of, you know, recuperating from this traumatic experience, you would think someone like me would, uh, who just had that encounter would never turn to drugs or alcohol again, or, you know, just, you know, be walking on cloud nine. But guess what? Life hit me. Life hit me. I didn't know how to deal with life. I didn't know anything different, except I knew that I knew that I knew that I was saved without even knowing what saved was. And so guess what? I decided that I would go back to, you know, smoking pot and doing drugs and, you know, trying to trying to, you know, live live in this world, but yet not in this world. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about preaching or, or any teachings or anything like that. The only thing I knew was that God was real and that God could hear me. That's That's what I knew. I knew that God met me right there when I called out on him. And it's incredible. It's wonderful. That was my salvation experience. But it wasn't enough for me. I spent a good year, almost exact, actually exactly a year from, from that day, January 23rd, 2006, until January 23rd, 2007. I spent that entire year trying to have a life in this world. Uh, I was going to Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, going to different meetings that they would have, you know, trying to get me trying to get me sober, uh, trying to get me, uh, you know, to, to live this life. And I just couldn't do it. I mean, if anyone tried, I tried. The first 90 days, they recommend that you go to one meeting a day. I went to over 90 meetings uh, that first month. It was just insane. I tried so very hard. I just couldn't do it. I would go a few months at a time of, of being able to do it and still being miserable. Uh, and then, you know, falling flat on my face and, you know, basically overdosing again, just having a ridiculously difficult time. And then it seemed like God in his, in his presence just started pulling me out of that lifestyle. He's, he would take me out of these different drug houses right before, you know, a raid would come through or right before I would be arrested for, you know, manufacturing crystal meth. Uh, you know, he would pull me out of that situation before the house would be raided and I would, you know, get away type of thing. God was just divinely taking me out of every single one of these situations and bringing me to a place called Adult and Teen Challenge of the Midlands. And Adult and Teen Challenge of the Midlands is uh, is a ministry that uh, was founded actually by Pastor David Wilkerson in 1958 in New York City. Um, if anyone has heard the story, it's an amazing story. Read the book. It's about a young, you know, a young preacher man from, I believe he was from Pennsylvania, scrawny guy that believed in prayer and believed in God and went to uh, minister to drug addicts and gang members in New York City. And since then, you know, over a thousand centers worldwide has uh, been opened and transformed. And we're talking about millions of lives around the world radically changed uh, by the power of Jesus Christ. That's what this man was able to accomplish because of his faith in Jesus. And it's because he taught this thing in this one thing only. He talked about the gospel, the true gospel, that childlike faith, the simplicity of Jesus Christ. And that is where I learned what the gospel was. I didn't learn it from listening to hellfire preaching. I didn't learn it from listening to the health and wealth preaching. I learned it from the gospel itself, going through these classes, learning the real reason of why Jesus came. We're going to go ahead and we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to get right into this. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is childlike faith? And I hope and I pray that it blesses you. So don't go away. 
You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Tired of no one seeing your Instagram posts? Have a product or service that's not getting the online attention it deserves? Ready to level up? At Busher's Social Media Marketing, we have just what you or your business have been looking for. Our team of dedicated professionals are ready to help you grow and engage your audience. No spam, no bots. Just good old-fashioned quality social media marketing. Visit Busher'sSMM.com today. Ready to jumpstart your career? Want an adventure of a lifetime? Uncle Sam's International is looking for language teachers who are highly motivated and have what it takes to grow and expand their thriving ESL school in Brazil. We need teachers for English, Spanish, Italian, and more. Visit Uncle Sam's International on Facebook today. Welcome back to Faith and Family Fellowship. Uh, I want to begin just by talking about this scripture right here. This is the scripture that really changed it for me. Uh, It's found in the book of Hebrews. If you have your Bible, go ahead and take a look at it. We're going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 15. Now, if you don't know anything about the book of Hebrews, let me go ahead and just very quickly tell you uh, briefly what the book of Hebrews is and where it comes from. Okay, so the book of Hebrews was written between the years 64 and 68 AD, somewhere right in between there. It was written to show the superiority of of Jesus Christ over all the Judaic system and all of the laws. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, But here's the point that I really want to stress home is this letter was written to seasoned Christians, people that have been in the faith for a few years that had become dull, people that have become almost boring with their faith. Uh, And this book was written to them uh, because they were falling back into these different traditions and all of these different ideas and just, you know, talking about the things that we talked about in the first two episodes here. And so this letter was written to them to kind of really convince them of the superiority of Jesus Christ and what that means for them. And it and unfortunately, we don't know who exactly the author of this letter was. Some people say it was Paul. Some people say it was somebody else. But we just don't know. And so we're not going to say uh, put it to somebody's name here. Uh, but the point is this. It is showing the superiority of Jesus Christ over everything before. So let's talk very quickly about everything before. If you were a Hebrew person at that time, uh, all of what we're about to talk about would be, you know, secondhand knowledge to you. You would know it all. It would not be some foreign teaching to you. Uh, It would just be that. Uh, So here's the idea. God made the world. (laughs) Adam and Eve, they decided to rebel. They chose wrongly. And so sin entered the world. It was a consequence of their action. And God in his mercy and his justice, he made a way. He made a way. He delivered his people through so many different situations. So many, you know, situations, events, uh, hundreds of years of this. And then we get these laws. Uh, we, we get these different uh, laws which are found in the first five books of the Bible, which are commonly called the Torah or the Pentateuch. If you don't know what they are, go to the very first part, part of your Bible, look at the five books we got. We have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 
Uh, most people, they find Genesis more interesting, and then they look at Exodus, and they find that interesting. But then they go to Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and they say, well, this is a little bit boring. This doesn't relate to me. Uh, I teach several different classes on this very subject, um, but let me go ahead and summarize it very quickly. You have the laws. God, you, you have to look at the heart behind all of this. God just delivered his people with a strong, mighty, fierce, and passionate hand uh, from being slaves in Egypt, which was the known world at the time. He performs all of these miracles to reveal himself to, to these people and take them out of hundreds of years of absolute slavery where they're living like slaves, eating like slaves, uh, acting like slaves, worshiping gods like slaves. I mean, they were just slaves is what they were. And he takes them and he frees them physically. And then he has to try to free them spiritually and mentally, and he takes them out into the desert. He takes them out into the desert uh, to Mount Sinai, and he says, you know, that he's that these this is going to be where he will be worshipped by his people. And the people, you know, they, they fall behind. Uh, they just, you know, keep wanting to go back into Egypt. They keep thinking about their life back in slavery. And God, in his perfect divine wisdom, creates these laws, number one, to physically make his people healthier. If you look at the dietary laws in, in the Pentateuch, the Torah, whatever you want to call it, these, these some of the most healthiest diet that you could possibly imagine designed to train up that generation to, to be a soldier, to be a healthy individual. Um, he has laws about government, about civil things. He's doing all of these different things behind the scenes to get his people ready to be who they were supposed to be. And we see very clearly that these people were not who they were supposed to be. We see when they try to enter the promised land, they still thought of themselves as slaves. They still said, oh, we were like grasshoppers in their sights. We are not these this mighty warrior that God has called us to be. We can't do it. And so God has to wait out the generation and train them up to be able to even begin to enter this promised land. Uh, and it's it's a wonderful story just in its, its true events. If you just look through it, it just will explain so much. But here's the idea. God had to not only save them first, he saved them first, but then he had to teach them how to live that new life. And that's the gospel right there. We're going to be talking about this a little bit more, so just hold on with me. But that is the gospel of Jesus Christ right there being presented already in the Old Testament thousands of years before Jesus would even come on the scene. He saves us from our bondage. And then he teaches us how to have this new life. Just like me, when I was saved, when I was a dying man, he saved me. I still had to learn how to live a new life. I still had to learn how to think like a new creation, how to actually become that new creation. And we're going to get into that here in a second. But going back into Hebrews, where we started out here, this letter right here, I want to read these verses here because thinking about all of those Old Testament laws and all of that, I want you to listen to these words that are found here in Hebrews 10, starting in verse 15. The Holy Spirit also bears witness to us after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts. I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. That's found in Hebrews ten fifteen to 18. Remember the context of this situation. 
God created all of these laws, and every single year they would have this sin offering, this atonement offering, where the head of the household, usually the usually the man of the household, they would all come together, and they would have their perfect lamb, their perfect sin offering, and they would literally put their head right next to the to that ram, to that lamb, and the during during the ritual, the the priest would be you know basically symbolically transferring all of the sin of that family onto the animal, and then the priest would. Slit the animal's throat and kill the animal, and everyone knew the consequences of that sin. And the reason that this was done was to show everybody what the results of sin was. And by doing this, you would protect your family for that year. And and this is this is what would happen generation after generation after generation. Even Jesus had to participate in this. And during the time that Jesus was was about to be crucified, we see this happening. We see all of this, Jesus going through this, and Jesus himself becomes that perfect offering. And that's why we see here where there's forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Jesus Christ not only fulfilled all of those Old Testament laws, but he completed them. Remember, everything from the Old Testament points to the New Testament, and Jesus Christ has fulfilled it. Everything past the Old Testament is this new life in Jesus Christ that we are seeing today. So that's that's kind of how I would would talk about it if I was talking to someone that, you know, uh, knew the Bible that was inside of the church or in a school, that type of thing. But if I'm trying to talk to someone who has no idea about the Bible, no idea about a relationship with Jesus Christ, how would how would I describe it to them? Well, I would try to put it in words like this. I would try to paint the picture for them and I would say, listen, you are a rebel. You rebelled against your creator. You've been lost in sin. Your The deeds, the things that you have done is what has separated you from God. You have chosen this way. Uh, every single one of us, I, I have chosen this way. I've chosen to fall away from God, to not follow what God has done. Because remember, God has written it on our hearts. We call it a conscience. But let me tell you, God has placed his laws on our hearts. We know right from wrong. And we've chosen our own way. And the worst part is many of us, we've been blind to the reality of what it actually is. We are headed to destruction. We are trapped in this in this spiritual prison that we have created ourselves day after day after day of just rebelling against God, being a traitor against his kingdom. And we don't know it, but without the gift of God to reveal this to us. And that's that's why Jesus says this. He says, no one. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him to me. It gives the idea of this, that Jesus is that perfect lamb, he's that perfect way out, and that the Father himself, the creator God, is searching and seeking after the lost and pulling them towards the direction of Jesus, slowly and surely revealing to each and every person in this world who Jesus is and that Jesus is the solution for all of their pains and their problems in this world. And that we are just completely lost without Jesus. Because of this situation that we have created ourselves, the enemy, which we call Satan, he has legal rights to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what we see in John 10.10, that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy our our very lives. We are completely trapped in this situation. We're headed for an eternal destruction and that there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves from this situation. And we've chosen to build this situation. That's that's the situation that all of humanity is in. 
And let me tell you, that's the bad news, okay? And that's pretty bad news. It's dark, it's gloomy, it's all of that. But here's the good news. When you are lost in that helpless situation, your creator God, he stands between you and the enemy, and he accepts your punishment. He takes the beating, he takes the destruction, he takes it all from you. Picture this, you are lost in that spiritual prison, you're chained up, you're about ready to be executed and all of this, and the enemy is standing right there and he has the legal right to do all of this. And here comes Jesus. He stands right in the middle of you two and he says, it's mine, take it, I want it, give it to me. That's the reality that Jesus Christ, he died for you and me. He didn't deserve it. He wasn't required to do it. He did it for you and me so that we would not have to live in the consequences of our decisions. Let me say it again for you. Jesus Christ died. Anyone who tells you that he didn't die for you and that he didn't die is just completely lying. Jesus died. Your creator God, he died right there on that day on that cross. God died. I can't say it enough. The consequences of sin are death. And he chose to die physically in this world so that you and I don't have to. It was a violent, bloody, it's the most painful death that you could possibly imagine. And he chose to do it because of his love for you and me. Before his death, our title was condemned traitor, guilty, uh, rebel, all of these different titles. That's what we were. That was our complete identity. And then instantly, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, our title switched to titles such as justified, forgiven, redeemed, sanctified. All of these new special titles instantly transformed, and it had nothing, nothing to do with you or I. It had everything to do with him and his finished work on that cross when he died for you and I. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the good news. It's just wonderful. I can't begin to tell you how thankful I am for that reality there. Nothing that you and I could have ever done would have changed that situation. God knew it and we knew it. But he, in his love and his mercy for you and I, stepped down into our situation and died that painful death. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's how simple it is. We were lost. We were dying. We couldn't save ourselves. And then all of a sudden, God has a plan and he performs the absolute miracle by dying himself to redeem us, our, the chosen people. And I'm not, when I say the chosen people, I'm not just talking about Jewish people. I'm talking about all of humanity that has come to know Jesus Christ. We are God's chosen creation. We are a whole new identity, a holy priesthood, a whole new nation. We are the children of God today. And it is just wonderful and beautiful. So since we, since we talked about the bad news and then the good news, which is the gospel, let me tell you the other end of the gospel. Unfortunately, Here's the reality. The great majority of Christians, those who have been saved by Jesus Christ, they have received this new title, they received this new positioning, this new position over their lives, but they never ever learn to leave that spiritual prison that they created. It's like they're sitting there, the chains are broken, the door is open, but they have never left that prison to walk out the door into the whole new life. Some of them maybe are afraid of it, or maybe they just have no idea that that's what the gospel really is. They can't see past the prison doors. They can't see anything. It's, it's they're blind to it, and they stay stuck in that unfortunate situation year after year until they've left this world. 
It's like we we read John 10.10 where we see that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and we just stop right there. We stop right on the moment that Jesus Christ, that he died for us and to, to save us from that steal, kill, and destroy destruction, and we forget the very message that Jesus himself said at the second part of that verse. He says, but, but I have come that you might have life and have life abundantly. The whole purpose of Jesus coming there, the whole purpose of Jesus doing all of this wasn't just to save us from that destruction itself. It wasn't just so we would just sit in that prison longer, that prison that we have made for ourselves. Uh, it wasn't just to change our, our title and all of these things. That's a, Those are great things that Jesus did. But he came to give us life, life abundantly. This new life it comes at it comes at a cost. We 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 understand who Jesus is, what he did for us, and what he's trying to do for us. And he says, "Hey, I want to take you. I want to change you. I want to transform you. I want to mold you into the very person that I created you to be." It's mentally changing. It's physically changing. It's spiritually changing. Everything about it. It's a process. It's not an instant transformation. It is a process. And sometimes it can get very slow. It can be very painful. You can almost feel like quitting at times, but this is the only way to get to that true moment of absolute life. It's a privilege beyond anything you could possibly imagine to be transformed. And then we are given a a commission We are counted worthy to not only carry his name, but to also represent him in this lost and dying world. The moment that we accept that second half of the gospel, the moment that we go from that salvation experience until living that true life, he gives us the commission to say, hey, go back to those prison doors, go back to this dark places and proclaim my name to my people who need to hear me. But how do we get to that point? How do we get to the point of, of being saved and then also trying to preach the gospel, as, as we call it? How do we do this? Well, here it is. It's the Holy Spirit of God. It is one of the most incredible gifts that we will ever receive. It's something so so different than anything you could possibly imagine. Not only did Jesus die for us. Not only did he call us to give us a whole new life, not only did he call us to to live out his name and proclaim his name, but he says, hey, your mission is impossible. If you choose to accept this mission, guess what? It is impossible. It's impossible to live this perfect life. It's impossible to do what I have called you to do. It's impossible to change generation after generation after generation. I'm calling you to impossibilities without me. If it's without me, it is impossible. So he does this. He says, hey, I'm going to come live inside of you. I'm going to put my spirit, my Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, whatever it is that you want to call it, God himself steps into your life and works out and changes you from the inside out. It's like he's scrubbing you clean, making you into something new from the inside out. And this is where a lot of people, they they get distracted on all of these different arguments on, you know, is the Holy Spirit tongues? Is it this? Is it prophecy? Blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you, none of that really matters. None of it really matters to the point that you honestly think it does. And if you allow yourself to be offended uh, by this and be offended by all of these different titles that we put on it and all the different character characterizations that we put on it, you'll never truly experience it. I myself, I'm, I'm a pastor of, of a Holy Spirit-filled church, if that's what you want to call it. But let me tell you this. If you take a piece of paper and you say this piece of paper represents the Holy Spirit, now take a little sliver, a little piece of that paper, just rip it off, something you know, microscopical, just something so small, 
That right there is what tongues is. And then take something the whole same size. That right there, that's what prophecy is. And we have 99% of this piece of paper left. And that's what the Holy Spirit still is. And we have no idea because we haven't been able to truly tap into it the way that God himself has created us to be able to tap into it. Because we've been so focused on such small in almost insignificant things. And I don't want you to think I'm saying tongues is insignificant or prophecy is insignificant or empowerment is insignificant or any of these other things. Those are significant. What I'm telling you is this. Do not close off your mind to the life and life abundantly that God has tried to destine you for, that he has spoken over your life. Don't put God in a box. Don't put the Holy Spirit in a box. The moment you do that, you will shortchange yourself, and I promise you this. I can't tell you how many times I've been on the mission field or I've been in a very difficult situation where I didn't even feel like praying, but there was something inside of me edging me on, pushing me forward. There were times that I felt like I couldn't even continue to carry on. And guess what? The Holy Spirit was pushing me forward. When I couldn't even walk anymore, the Holy Spirit was pushing me forward. The Holy Spirit has has convicted me at many different times to to take different people out of my life or to put different people in my life, uh, to make different decisions on where to go, what to do, what to buy, who to speak to. This is, this is the gospel here. Look at the book of Acts. Look at how the apostle Paul, one day he, he felt like he wanted to go preach the gospel in this city. Uh, and then the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going to do it. And so he listened. And then later on, the Holy Spirit said, okay, now it's time to go. We don't know what would have happened if he would have just stiff-armed the Holy Spirit. We have so many different situations like this. Look at the, look at the life of Jesus Christ, our perfect example. Every day he had to break away from the crowd, go be alone with, with the Holy Spirit. With with the Creator God, he had to go be alone and listen. He says himself, "I do nothing unless the Father tells me to do it. I say nothing unless the Father Himself tells me to do it." He's showing us this perfect example, and he lived the ultimate life. He might have only lived, you know, thirty three years or whatever it is that you want to say it is. Uh, the sad truth is, we really don't know exactly how many years it is. There's arguments on both sides of that fence, uh, but in the short time that he did live. He accomplished more than any of any you or I ever will. He did something amazing and he lived life to the fullest and the results and ramifications of his decisions of choosing that real life are still affecting us today. That is Jesus Christ. That is the assurance of faith. And I want to close with this. It's it's continuing on in Hebrews 10. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I love Hebrews. Listen to these words. Uh, it's commonly referred to as the full assurance of faith. It says this, Therefore, brothers, since we, are ha- since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and the living way that he opened for us through our, this curtain that is through this flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience of our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another. And as the more that you see the day drawing near. There's so much in this scripture. I encourage you just to take some time. Go back and read the book of Hebrews. And if you don't have the time to read the whole book, 
camp out on Hebrews 10 for a minute. Camp out there and, and look about this full assurance of faith and who our high priest is. And then go into to chapter 11 where you can read about the heroes of our faith and all these guys that have been able to tap into it and just be really, truly encouraged. Be encouraged with your faith today. Be encouraged about the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have that childlike faith just to, to step out and reach out and grab this faith. Guys, let me tell you, in the last you know 12 years or so of following Jesus Christ through so many situations, both wonderful, difficult, um, terrifying situations even, um, both financially and physically, let me tell you this, if I can go back to January 23rd, 2006, if I can go back there right now, and did and make a different decision there's no way that I ever would there's no way I made the best decision I chose my best life in this world I chose the best decision God has given me life he's given me life and life more abundantly because I have chosen to follow Jesus every step of the way. And some and some days, you know, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I make the wrong decision. Sometimes, you know, I do stiff arm the Holy Spirit and I instantly I repent of it and I and I try to push forward in, into making the better decision next time and learning from it. It's it's a journey that we're going on this walk with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this. I am so thankful for Jesus. I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit. And I'm so, so very thankful that one day soon, whenever it is that I get called to the Father, if whether it's before or after, you know, whatever it is, when I get called there, I'm so thankful that I'm going to be able to see my Creator and see exactly what He has done for me. Let me tell you, when we talk about the gospel, we're not just talking about Calvary when Jesus was crucified. That's the door. Jesus himself, he says it very clearly, I am the door. I am the door. He, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the door. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. He's, he is the beginning. You go through Jesus to get this life. You go through Jesus, and you never leave Jesus. You never leave that. That's not what I'm saying. You can't have this true life without Jesus. You can't have it without the gospel of, of Calvary. You can't have that. But what I'm telling you is this, that Jesus Christ, he said it, the early church knew it, and they preached it, and many are still even preaching it today, thankfully, that you are called to have life and life abundantly even in this world and it might not be the way that you think i'm not i'm not saying that you're going to be rich i'm not saying that you're going to be very prosperous or any of these things that's not what i'm saying to you today what i'm saying is you will have the life that you were created for the life that he created adam and eve for to fellowship with him to walk with him to communicate with him to 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 understand him to have a real relationship with him and through that relationship Everything, everything changes. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.